Thanks for downloading this show from PC One. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Mini bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets, and they're really cute too. My perfect brunch: Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! The following program is a Forbes and Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Denise Ristari, and this is Mentoring Moments, a podcast where smart, witty, and bold women are sharing their triumphs and their skids. We aren't just talking, we're taking action, and we're inviting you to join us every Wednesday in my New York City apartment. Mentoring Moments is brought to you by Upside. The smart, new way to buy business travel is Upside.com. You save money and get a free Amazon gift card every trip you buy. Use the code Forbes and you're guaranteed at least a $100 gift card your first time using Upside. Save big on travel and get a big gift card. Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. And sitting across the table from me is Amanda Steinberg. Amanda knows why women are stressed when it comes to their finances, and she's on a mission to help us face our fears and opportunities head on. In 2008, Amanda was 29 years old, earning multiple six figures, and I can't wait to talk about how she was doing that, but she had built such an expensive life that she was broke. So from her home office in Philadelphia, with a newborn in her arms, she launched Daily Worth, Every Woman's Guide to Money career, and business. Today, Daily Worth newsletter reaches more than 100 million subscribers, and then her platform grew. In 2015, she started Worth FM, a digital investing service, and then Forbes named her one of the 21 New American Money Masters, and Oprah selected her to the exclusive Super Soul 100, and, and, and she's the author of a new book, Worth It, Your Life, Your Money, Your Terms, and I love the principles behind Worth It. Amanda, I am so happy you're here, and thank you for coming in from Philadelphia. Denise, that means a lot to me. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Really happy to be here. It's, we've been circling each other. Amanda, you were in my book in the Roaring Thirties that I wrote in like 2015, um, and that's when I first was introduced to your story, which I want to hear, but I'm going to kick this off first with my mentoring moment. You know, I tell this a lot that I sometimes my best mentoring moments come to me when I'm in the shower, and that was this morning. So I was thinking back to 25 years ago. I was married, living in Washington, D.C., and Allie, my daughter, wasn't born yet. And in the entryway of my townhouse, I worked with this local artist to paint a mural. So I created what I wanted the mural to be, and then he actually interpreted my creation and made it into this huge painting on this huge wall. So now I'm at that, my marriage is not working and I'm thinking about getting divorced. And I think, and I can't get divorced. What am I going to do with the mural? I can't take the mural. I mean, I can't like carve out the wall in my townhouse and take it with me. What am I going to do with it? So the mural became the thing that I hid behind, right? It was like, well, 
I want, I want to think about getting divorced, but what am I going to do with the mural? I can't. I mean, I can't. I don't even know what to do with the mural. How can I think about getting divorced? And so I wouldn't dig deep into me in figuring out what is it that I really wanted because I had something to hide behind. It was, I can't do it. I can't take the wall with me. And I was talking to a young woman a couple of weeks ago who was in her 20s, and she was saying that in her late 20s, that she's burnt out from work, that she wants to have a family and she can't have a family in the current job that she's in because it just isn't the environment for her to be able to do both and that people at work depend on her and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I thought, sometimes we're so afraid of the unknown. And that made me think back to my mural, that I was so afraid of the unknown that I got stuck behind the mural. And I think in her case, she was so afraid of what will I do without this job that she got stuck behind. I'm making a great salary. These people need me. And then I thought, you know, here's the best part of the story. I don't get divorced. And I eventually did get divorced, but at that period of time, and we do what so many people who are about to get divorced do, we buy a bigger house, right? (laughs) Because that's going to bring us happiness. We'll buy this bigger house and we'll be really happy. So we buy the bigger house. The new owner of our townhouse comes in with a big can of white paint and a big paintbrush, and she paints the mural, paints over the mural. And within 10 minutes, the mural is gone. And it's now a blank canvas for her to create her scene. And I just think that story for me is so symbolic of we're so afraid we get stuck behind things that are so meaningless. I mean, this mural meant something to me in the moment, but in the scheme of things of life, it's a mural. It's just a painting. It's not that important. So now I try to look at life whenever I get stuck. I have this visual of a big white paint can and a big paintbrush. And I think, Go for it. Go at it and create a new scene. And don't be afraid to let go of the scene that you're living in. So that's my mentoring moment. Have you been there? Have you been in that situation where you're hiding behind something? Oh, absolutely. Um, We're often hiding because it's very difficult to really speak out as you are. And uh, I think of my mentoring moment that had such an impact on me and really changed the course of my life was in 2016, um, Daily Worth and Worth FM were still two separate companies because Worth FM is an investment advisory and Daily Worth is a media company. And the, the challenge is, is that because what our company does, which is really now a financial services platform for women, is so enormous that we've been venture capital backed for the last six years. But what happens when you're venture capital backed is that you have to grow really, really fast in order to justify the reasons why you took that capital. This can create a vicious cycle of needing more capital in order to thrive. We had a lot of trouble raising capital in 2016 because the companies were separate and most investors wanted to invest in one entity. But the merger process of creating a holding company was going to was going to take months. So I was in a really, really difficult and depressed and scared, scared place for our future. And my mentoring moment came with one of my board members and advisors, someone named Jamie McIntyre, who on the phone with me one one morning before I was going to pitch an investor, said, Amanda, be honest about who you are and really what you're up to. Express the situation that you're in. 
use your passion and your power to say what's really going on for you. And, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you are constantly pitching venture capitalists and getting up on stages, you have to create a sense of credibility and composure in order to inspire people's trust so that they invest in you. But for me to be honest about where we were was downright frightening because I thought it was going to make me less desirable as some, as a recipient of additional capital. And as a result of that morning, I walked in to pitch an investor and walked out with a million dollar check. And it was a real turning point moment for me because oftentimes we're hiding behind who we think we're supposed to be. But when you become who you really are and you really forge a connection with someone, that is where the magic happens. And I see that a lot of times with women, they're afraid to talk about what's really going on because they're looking for an investment. And it's like, well, I don't want to seem weak to the investor. I don't want to seem, you know, I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be who I am. I don't want to tell that story because it'll I'll appear to be weak. So what advice do you have for people who are feeling that? I mean, you're, you have a success story, obviously, but how do you get out of that? How do you get out of feeling weak? I think you just have to recognize that just because you have challenges and pain and fear doesn't make you weak. You can be strong and optimistic and passionate in your delivery of both what your strengths are and what the opportunity is, as well as what your real challenges are. And I actually have, have found that this actually inspires more trust in you. It doesn't make you seem weak. They're not um, mutually exclusive. You can be vulnerable. You can express challenges. You can be honest and you can be powerful at the same time. And have you seen that work out in like other parts of your life, in your personal part of your life? So much so um, that it's it's downright frightening because the more I become that person, the more magnetic I become because the more honest I am. And people are really attracted to authenticity. It's a slightly overused word these days, but it's for good reason. I often quote one of my favorite authors, Leslie Bennett, who wrote The Feminine Mistake. Uh, and one thing that she says in that book is women aren't the ones who created the rules, yet we're the ones who follow them. And that's what's super interesting about being a woman these days is we're actually in this strange transition point of what femininity used to look like about the rules that women used to need to play by in order to fit into society. And the fact that we have more opportunity now to create independence and it's more socially acceptable, but we're in this transition point. So we're creating our own lives, our own visions, our own careers and our own businesses, but we're still playing by a set of rules that we inherited from years past. So how is it that we remind ourselves that we're actually in charge now too, and we get to rewrite the rules to better serve us? Being a feminist is unfortunately a polarizing concept. Um, again, we're in this strange transition period and, and folks are trying to figure out how do I not be antagonistic? How do I support my family and be, be sensitive to um, aspects of who I am that may emasculate my husband and I don't want to with how do I make sure that I am actually doing things by choice as opposed to inherited roles where I'm afraid what, what is going to be perceived of me if I don't follow them. It's, um, we're, we're in the middle of this very gray area and we, there's not a clear path of what it's going to look like on the other side. We're in a deep, deep state of transition. Before we keep diving into Amanda's story, I want to tell you about Upside. I found an exciting new way to buy travel. It's Upside.com. At Upside, you save money on travel and you get a free Amazon gift card worth hundreds of dollars every time. You get savings and a big gift card, free. Here's how they do it. Upside bundles your flights and hotel together for one low price. Bundling saves a ton of money, especially on business travel. 
So they give you an Amazon gift card. Your company saves money and you still keep all your miles. And right now, when you use the code Forbes, you're guaranteed a free $100 Amazon gift card your first time. The code Forbes gets you a guaranteed $100 Amazon gift card. That's like the best deal. How can you not do it? Upside, save big on travel and get a big gift card every time. Go to Upside.com. That's Upside.com. Minimum purchase required. See site for complete details. Mentoring Moments is brought to you by Braintree. If you think that your payment system exists solely for the purpose of transferring money from a customer's wallet to yours, think again. Braintree, rethink payments. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. And now back to Amanda. Going back to authenticity, when we first talked two, three years ago when I was writing the book and you told me your story that I just love that I'm going to ask you to share with our listeners on how Daily Worth came to be. So if you'll start that story with yeah, from the beginning. Gladly. So Daily Worth came to be because I've always been a social impact entrepreneur, which means I've always wanted to figure out how is it that I can have the biggest social impact as possible while using the mechanisms of a for-profit business to accomplish that. And that way, you know, the, the success of the business is also reflective of the success of this, of the social mission as a computer programmer, which you were wondering how I made multi six figures. I made multi six figures because I was a programmer and I was running software companies and I learned how to make that very profitable. Uh, However, what what really sunk me when I turned 30 was the fact that I took on way too much risk. It wasn't just because I was spending money on clothes or, you know, therapy, shopping therapy sort of thing. It was really because I didn't understand the house that I was buying and I didn't understand the taxes related to my business. So I was trying to budget. I was trying to set goals. I was trying to create plans. I was trying austerity. And the reality of having so much risk at one time sent us into $100,000 worth of debt. Um, Even though I thought my house was an investment and I thought my business was an investment and nope, it actually turned into a liability. So I was sitting there, you know, looking at myself in the mirror, pregnant with my second child going, how is it that I've worked so, so, so hard to be successful and look where I am right now. So rather than hire a financial advisor, which would have been the logical thing to do, I actually decided to start publishing about it on the internet because I realized that there were so many incredible women in my life who had big goals and big aspirations. Uh, But women, because of those old rules, still have a dissonance when it comes to the subject of money itself. And the business opportunity that identified both in the service of my own self, as well as the women around me was, how do I help create stronger women who are able to live into the lives that they want to live by helping them shift their relationship to money? That was the intention behind Daily Worth. And at the time, Daily Candy and Thrillist were really booming, booming businesses. Um, and email is a very lucrative revenue model, which was is, of course, super important in any business. So that's why I launched the newsletter, Daily Worth, in order to create authentic, real, visceral financial advice that didn't just follow the create a budget, create a plan, because I had been doing that and it did not work. I just love that you took what wasn't working for you and you're able to say, I screwed up. This wasn't working for me and I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to share 
and I'm going to make a business out of it, which is even better. I'm going to share and I'm going to make money. I'm going to make money. I'm going to grow a business on it, which is the best. But I think a lot of times people aren't vulnerable or they're not willing to admit they made a mistake. And so you get stuck there, right? It's like, well, I made a mistake and you don't move. You keep making the same mistakes because you don't figure out what mistake you made. So I think it would be easy to think, you know what? I just won't shop as much. You know, when, when you had to pay this tax bill. Sure, but it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> and why doesn't that work? Because we all have certain personality traits that are our strengths, but those personality traits also are our weaknesses. And so for me, it's risk. It's that in, in my personality, I don't see risk. I see, I only see the risk of not doing something. Um, and as a result of that, I end up when you have too much risk, you are risk going into the red. And that's not something that can be controlled through austerity that has to be controlled through creating more consistency, which is what took me another 10 years to learn. What are the three things, Amanda, that you would want everyone to know? So the first thing I want everyone to know is that financial advice, as it is commonly delivered today through most of the books that you will read, follows a very linear, logical pattern of figure out what it is that you need and then follow a plan and stick to that plan. What I observed in the years of running Daily Worth was that that only works for about 30% of people. The other 70% of people are either not motivated by that idea or they're even repelled by it because it feels restrictive. So it ends up not working. And then the critical point from there is that so often, especially for women, I imagine the case for men as well, is that we blame ourselves because we think there's something wrong with us because we can't follow the, the advice. So the first thing that I would love everyone to explore is a system we developed called Money Type. And you can go to www.moneytype.me and take an assessment and figure out what your money type is. It's similar to Myers-Briggs. It's based on the same psychological uh, underpinnings. However, it's our own unique system that helps you understand what does motivate you around money so that you can then figure out, are you someone who is going to be good with goals and plans? Or do you need to put other systems in place that are going to support your existing personality better? And what would be those other systems that you put in place? So for, for me as a visionary, I always have to be creating consistency and I have to be focused a lot more on liquid cash, even more so than saving for my retirement. Because because of the amount of risk that I take, I am at risk of going into debt if I don't have cash. I have three emergency funds in different places because I have to hide your money. Your mattress is one of them so, under your no, mattress. No, they're all in different, different accounts and right. services. But because I, will, I, I get hit by curveballs left and right. Um, also being a single mom. So it's I, I need those pools of cash there that I've forgotten about otherwise. Um, another example is it's less of a system and more of a mindset shift. Uh, another example of a money type is if you're a nurturer. For anyone who is a nurturer, you get your value and your happiness in taking care of others and making sure others are cared for. If someone comes and asks you for a loan that you really care about and you have that money, even if you can't totally afford to give it to them, you're probably going to give it to them. So for, for a nurturer, the financial advice that they really need is to remember that they are going to be stronger for others when they take care of themselves in the same way that they take care of others. They're not going to stop taking care of other people, but they need to recognize the value of creating savings for themselves, not such that it is selfish, but so that it makes them a stronger, better caretaker of others. And we talk about that a lot on the show, not in the financial realm, but saying it's okay to be number one. 
That doesn't mean that you're self-centered. That doesn't mean that you're saying, screw the rest of the world. It just means that it's okay. And the analogy we always make is the oxygen and the airplane, right? That you get the oxygen first and then you give it to your child. That if you aren't taking care of you, how can you take care of others? And financially, I, you know, I never even thought about that, about being the nurture, but I used to be that person. I still am kind of, you know, it's like my mom, whoever needs help in my family, it's kind of, and, and I'm sure it's a joy for you. It is, but it's also a burden. Right. Right. Well, that's what I meant. There's two sides to every coin in this regard. No pun intended, (laughs) (laughs) but it is, it's like, it, it does. It makes you feel good that you're able to help. But it's a burden because you know that you've, you've put yourself in the situation that everyone depends on you because they know you'll come through. Yes. Right? That's true. And, and that's the other aspect that we really work on with nurturers. There's five different money types is to remember that the, there's many ways to give love and support that don't involve giving someone money. And that is often a light bulb for nurturers. So we have the visionary, which is the risk taker, the uh, nurturer, who's the caretaker, the epicure, who's the pleasure seeker, um, the independent, who is the rebel, uh, and the producer who is uh, security oriented. The, the the producer, which is about 30% of the 25,000 who've taken money type so far, is the one who doesn't have any trouble with savings, but has a lot of trouble with risk. So that is actually a risk unto itself in that they are the ones who will typically keep so much in cash that they won't be um, growing their money for retirement and are at risk of uh, only having a fraction of the money that they need for when they need it. Before we keep digging into Amanda's financial advice, let me tell you about Braintree. Having an up-to-date payment system is one of those things, like a rattle in your engine, that you might let slide to the bottom of the to-do list. Everything's working now, so you'll get to it when you get to it. But that's not necessarily a practical strategy. Leave it too long, and you could be stranded on the side of the highway. And when we're talking about getting paid, you don't want to get stranded. It might not be a bad time to check in with Braintree and keep your business humming. Braintree, rethink payments. Find out more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. An MBA from a globally recognized and celebrated business school is achievable on your terms. Find your fit among the Kellogg School of Management's innovative portfolio of MBA programs, including one-year, two-year, part-time, joint degree, and executive options. Wherever you are in your career and your life, there's a Kellogg program designed to help you succeed. Visit kellogg.northwestern.edu slash MBA. Have you heard all of the above with Norman Lear? So far, Norman's had conversations with Amy Poehler, Gerard Carmichael, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Charles Barkley, Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, Stephen Tobolowsky, Martin Sheen, and last week it was Kevin Bacon. When they say action, I, I don't want to feel like it's it's Kevin. I want to feel like it's, you know, in this case, Dick. And don't forget to check out this week's episode with America Ferrara. When I speak out and speak politically, I don't think of myself as speaking as an artist. I think of myself as speaking as a person, as a citizen, as a woman. All of the above with Norman Lear. New episodes every Monday on the podcast. Podcast One app or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. You're listening to Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari. Continuing the conversation here on Mentoring Moments, I want to do a shout out to FreshBooks. FreshBooks is a ridiculously easy to use cloud accounting software for small business owners that saves you time and gets you paid faster. Now used by over 10 million people worldwide. For your 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash Forbes and enter Mentoring Moments in the How Did You Hear About Us section. 
And now back to Amanda. So if I have the majority of my money invested through Morgan Stanley, but I see a great opportunity to invest in an entrepreneur, but I'm, I'm going to make up a number here. Let's say I have a million dollars in Morgan Stanley, but I see this great entrepreneur that I think you know, their success. Should I take the money out of, I guess it depends on your personality type too, right? But take the money out of Morgan Stanley and invest in the entrepreneur? Well, it, it depends on a few things. The first one is if you are investing in an entrepreneur, understand that angel investing is the riskiest type of investment that you can make. And most angel investors will make 10 investments, expecting seven of them to completely fail, two of them to be mildly successful, and one of them to hit it out of the park. And you can't necessarily know which one it's going to be. So what I say when I've raised, I've raised about $9 million now for Worth Financial, which is the holding which is company. Great. That's Thank you. great. Yeah. Um, and we will be profitable soon. So I'm looking forward to not raising future capital um, is uh, whenever I've taken capital from any friends and family or individual, I've said this needs to be money you can afford to lose. So it, if you are clear that you are set for retirement, that your estate is set up the way you want it to be, that you can take care of the education and have the lifestyle that you want, then you can angel invest. If you have a higher risk profile and you still understand that you are going to lose that money, that's fine if you're an accredited investor. But mostly you need to consider angel investing as really high risk money. So we talked about the visionary. We talked about the nurturer, the producer. What about the other two? So the epicure is the sensory pleasure, uh, is the one who always has the gorgeous apartment, the perfect hair. Um, the, the thing for epicures that is vital, the, the two pieces of advice that are critical for epicures is save to spend. Don't buy things that you want out of your income because that income should be going into a bill paying account and then distributed for taxes if you're self-employed and savings and your future investments first. Then what I always encourage Epicures to do is even to set up a separate checking account for spending, for flexible spending, so that anything that you want is not money that's already reserved for something else. And the other critical piece of advice for Epicures is they typically are going to want to own their own home so they can control the physical space. I'm only 12% Epicure, so I don't have – I need someone to dress me in the morning in order to <laughs> look great. coordinated. That's why I'm, you know, in muted I gave up on it. color it's like palette. A, it's, it's overrated. It's just overrated. But what's, what's critical for Epicures? Epicures is to buy a small house, as small a house as you can stand living in, because you are really going to want that cash flow to buy the pillows and redo your bedroom and all that other stuff. So if you end up buying a big house, you are most likely going to be quite cash poor. And that's painful for Epicures. Right. I, and I was there at one point. So I've told these stories about I used to own a 7,000 square foot house in Bethesda. I had a 5,000 square foot one. Now it's 1,500. And right. I love it. It's I'm great. never going back. And I, we're like in the same thing, like 1,700 square feet here. In the glory of I have this great house, you've missed those things. Of how much is it going to cost me to maintain? This and no one house? knows this stuff before you do it. I heard the best advice. I haven't validated this yet, so this is hearsay. This is not fact. Um, but that if you are buying a five hundred thousand dollar house, you should have half of the value of the house, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that you plan to spend on that house over ten years, just in maintenance and renovation. That's so much money. So if you are planning to buy a five hundred thousand dollar house, don't just have the down payment. Be ready to have that extra 250000 which is enormous and probably going to lead you to buy a bigger house. Now, these are not hard and fast rules. This is just if you want your house to be an investment and not a liability, this is the advice that I give. 
And what was the fifth one? The, indep- four, right? the independent. The independent. I love when independents show up in my sphere, Daily Worth and Worth Financial being a financial services company because independents hate money. They're, they're quite optimistic. They believe that money is just going to show up when they need it, but they really don't want to think about it. So what's critical for independents is that they either have if they have a spouse who can hold them accountable, but even more so an accountant or a coach or a financial advisor, you really need to hire someone or engage someone to put you on a quarterly review process because you will totally check out. So what if you're part the Epicurean and the independent? And that is that is quite often the case. So that that's a good thing because you can play to the strengths of both while mitigating the risks of both. The point of money type is really just to build awareness. Um, I love not, it. I just love it. It's riveting because I've, I've given workshops on it all over the country now. And I had a woman come up to me. She was about 50 years old crying, saying financial advice had never made sense to me until this. And that's really part of my mission. And what I've learned about over the years running Daily Worth is that the way financial advice is delivered doesn't resonate with most people and then they blame themselves. So my mission has been, how do I make it interesting? How do I make it relevant? How do I make it motivating, especially to independents who think of money as this yucky thing that they would rather just didn't exist at all? Well, and I love it because I think it goes back to everything in life is that we need to know who we are, right? What makes us tick? And once we start to figure that out, then we're able to figure out how we invest our money, what we do with our money. We're able to figure out who we want as our partners in life. What are we looking for in life? It might be that you're looking for six kids. Like, so my daughter, you know, in her head, she's 24. Her vision is she'll have three kids. She's going to live in a house with a white picket fence and goats and cats and cows. And I don't know what else, a lot, a lot of dogs. I'm not sure what else is there. That is so not me. That is like, you know, I live in Manhattan. I have no desire to go live with cats and dogs. I had that dream at 24, too. It didn't work out very well. I always wanted a white picket fence. There's something about that to explore. But I think that, you know, even if she grows into that idea more, that's great. But knowing yourself and figuring that out is the key to everything in life, into every move we make. I would agree. And I would even add one more distinction to that, which is our social and cultural trends, the things that shape our beliefs as a society um, are, I believe, more powerful and more influential than your individual will. This was, this is, this is an observation I've made and it's kind of sad to me because I would like people to be able to live out their personal purpose and dreams more so, but our cultural pressures are, are enormous. And so I think even, even as much as developing awareness, it's about being able to distinguish between what ideas have I inherited because I think I'm supposed to think this way or my parents said I should feel this way and what is it that is really, really important to me. I chose marriage at a very young age because I was, I feel like I just got messages from everywhere that I would be unhappy if I didn't. But I'm not sure that marriage was ever really an objective of mine. And so how is it that you not only develop self-awareness, but that you can start to draw a line between that's what society says I should do, but I don't actually really, really want that. And then here's what is what's important to me. Yes. And I was, I was in the same boat. My first marriage, I knew 
when I was saying I do that I should have been saying I don't. I mean, I really, I mean, the man I married was a great, he was a great person. There's nothing, totally. it, it wasn't like I was looking at him and thinking, oh my God, you're a monster. It was just, I just knew that it, was, it wasn't right. But part of it, Amanda, is what you're saying. I was never that girl who wanted to get married. I wasn't opposed to it. I didn't think I wanted to get married, but everybody around me was getting married. Everyone was having kids and I was like, and your friendships change, right? So it's not just the pressure of people saying, oh, I'm getting married, you should. Your life changes. Your girlfriends get married. They start doing things with couples. They have kids. They start doing things with and relationships are wonderful. You know, it's uh, there. It can be painful to be. I was. I've always been so ambitious um, that I didn't fit. I didn't. I just didn't fit a lot of molds. And so dating was harder for me as a as a kid. And so you know, it does. You start to crave what what it is you believe others have. Whether or not it shows up that way is is another story. But yeah, it's um, it's it's hard to be. I imagine, and I remember being a young person and seeing how all these things change, and then trying to figure out who you are inside of all of that. It's, and it's really hard, but and it, and it keeps going back to who are you, and it's an evolution. It it really is that unfolding. It's not going to come to you when you're twenty. It may come to you when you're twenty-two. God bless you if it does, and you're really the lucky soul. I meet a few universe. once in a while. They're right. quite adorable, <laughs> right? And it's as I said, you know, God bless you, but you are the exception. I'm sixty-three, and it's still unfolding for me, and that's kind of the great thing of life is that it continues to unfold. But really, I think when we start to really try to figure out what makes me happy, then that is the key to all of these pieces. Okay, let's talk about FreshBooks. A curious thing happened to FreshBooks on its way to becoming the largest cloud accounting software platform for small business owners in the world. As a company, they've managed to stay small while soaring to over 10 million users strong. Or is it the other way around? Has FreshBooks customer base soared because their company has stayed small? Named as a small giant on Forbes' list of best small companies this year, FreshBooks has been recognized for focusing on greatness over growth. By drastically simplifying tasks like tracking expenses and getting paid online, invoicing so you can send professional-looking invoices in about 30 seconds, and delivering award-winning customer service that usually picks up in under three rings, FreshBooks has changed how small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. But this is only a fraction of what FreshBooks can do, and they want you to see more. To claim your 30-day free trial, no credit card required, just go to freshbooks.com slash Forbes and enter mentoring moments in the how did you hear about us section. Mentoring Moments is brought to you by WordPress.com. More websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. Create your blog or small business website today and get 15% off any new plan purchase at WordPress.com slash Forbes. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes. So we covered the money types, so the three things that we need to know about finances, if we only could learn three things today. So we learned about money type, which I just love. What are the other two? Well, the second one is really just to remember that financial advice is broken and that for, for whatever reason, and this is, this is where Daily Worth became a journey and I had no idea what I was going to discover on the other side. And that's what my book Worth It is about is the eight years of learning of how broken financial advice is and that don't internalize it on yourself as I'm bad with money. 
actually financial advice is bad at serving you. It's not that you are bad with money. It's that you haven't been given ideas and systems and tools to make it clear. In fact, I would even be so bold as to say that financial services companies are profiting on your confusion because when you really get into it and you spend eight years studying it the way I have, it is not that complicated. And yet it still appears that way for so many people. And why is that, that it appears complicated? Because it's profitable. Right. You know, because so they can it's like hide. like the pharmaceutical companies. I, mean, I went to, um, I've been leasing a car and I'm going to buy it from the dealer. And I went to, I can't wait to go back there and confront them on this because I've never, I've never gotten a car loan before. I, I asked for how much, it's an $11,000 purchase price. And they gave me a loan at what was like 6% and it was about $280 a month. And then I went home and I did the calculation and it was only $179 a month. So I want to go back to that dealer and say, where's this $280 coming from? I see your interest rate. I see how many months it is. I know what the price is. What are you baking into that that you are not telling me? And if I have not been on the financial journey that I have, I might have fallen for it. Right, because it's so hard to calculate How do you know? interest. And, and they're pressuring you. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of like, well, the 280 is not that much. I can afford 280. So I think for me, at least, a lot of times I don't question things I can afford. If, it's, if somebody were to say your car payment is you know, $2,000 a month, I would be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I can't, how did that happen? But 280, it sounds reasonable, right? It's like, okay, that seems a reasonable amount of money. So it, by reading your book, will I learn how to be better at doing that? You will be given, uh, what I hope what happens as a result of reading my book is that everything becomes clear in terms of what actually matters in terms of managing your money. And it's not what you think. A lot of people think that if I earn more money, I will have more money. And that actually can backfire in some pretty nasty ways. So the essence of the book, which is the the final piece um, that I wanted to share today, is that income is not the answer to having more money. And especially because of the way gender roles used to be so clearly delineated in our culture and still are to some extent, um, that women's responsibilities were about day-to-day budgeting and then we entered the workforce and so it became about how do we earn more money. And so most of women's knowledge and aptitude around money is how do I earn more so that I can save more and use a budget to facilitate that. That is a hamster wheel that is not going to ever create real substance and savings for most people. So the the third piece I wanted to share with you that's really the core of the book is this idea of roots and wings. And the idea of roots and wings is a new paradigm for women to think about money so that they are putting their assets first and their equity first and their income and their credit and their expenses second. That's a flip. We oftentimes think about as our income and expenses first and then how do we save and invest for our future. What roots and wings, the book section two is about roots and section three is about wings and that's very intentional flip so that we are thinking about our long-term security. What are we investing in? Are you in buying a house as a lifestyle choice or do you really want to turn it into equity so that you have security in the future? Are you going to start saving toward retirement? And if so, are you going to utilize the 401k that's offered at work? What's inside that? Or are you going to utilize an IRA that you sign up for on your own? And what are the implications of that? So rather than um, teaching you how to calculate interest in the book, it's actually a much more top-down view of finance so that you get a substantive and complete and holistic view of how money works so that you become far more interested in these questions when you encounter them on a day-to-day basis. Which I love. I love. Um, because I think we, in all things in life, we just have to look at it all holistically, right? We are... You got to understand the system in right. order to operate within it. And, it. and everything needs to be the whole, not the tiny little piece of saying, okay, well, if you invest this, you're going to make X return on it. And it's like, okay, I'm okay, because you're not okay all the time. But 
it all depends on your net worth. So your net worth is how much do you own minus how much do you owe? Right. So you could be making a million dollars a year in income, but if you have you know, a, a $1.2 million mortgage, you actually have negative net worth and you're highly unstable compared to someone who's making $60,000 a year and has $300,000 in her 401k. And I see that day in, day out. And that's confusing because you know what? No one ever taught us this stuff. No one ever taught it. I'm not bringing rocket science to the table here. I'm packaging it in a way that's deeply sympathetic to people's guilt and shame and pain around money so that we can go, oh, now it makes sense. And then start to make changes that impact your overall net worth. So here's a question I have. The Trump administration, mm -hmm. do you see for women anything we should be looking out for, anything we should be really happy about? Um, with regards to the Trump administration, I think that um, what we see in the Trump administration as well as a lot of other administrations around the world that look similar to Trump is a reaction to progress and change that's happening really fast right now as a result of advances in reproductive health care and technology that is threatening some of the core cultural values that has a lot of people feeling uh, a lot of pain and fear around what our world is going to look like and, and holding on. So I'm very concerned about what the Trump administration uh, is looking like for women because it's trying to put us back into an era where women didn't have the same reproductive freedoms and choices. Um, and I'm a big believer that capitalism is great when it has regulatory controls that keep it from exploiting people who don't know better. Um, and so I would say I would, I, I have a heightened alarm for women in particular, because there's things that the Trump administration are doing that is going to make it harder with regards to your health. Um, and also, uh, easier for businesses to create products and services that take advantage of you. So that is my warning to you. And is there anything good you're seeing that could come out of it? Yes, I, I see. Um, I, I believe that if Hillary had been elected, that women would have floated into a um, a powerful amount of confidence that would have show would had would have led us to believe that we were reaching a level of equal opportunity that so many women I know and that I am ad advocating for and working toward. But as a result of the Trump administration, we're all we have a heightened awareness of how many people in our society are still afraid of the breakdown of traditional norms. Um, and so uh, there's a, uh, I think the benefit is everyone's heightened awareness of this, of these underlying problems that still need to exist so that we can create a world that better works for everyone, not just women, uh, even though they're my focus. So it's, it's the increased engagement and awareness that I think is the benefit. I agree. I think that's, that's from day one, from November 9th, that has been one of the benefits to all of this. In addition to the civics class that I've learned through CNN, things I didn't even know that went on in politics that I'm learning by following all of what's going on. But really the heightened awareness of women and saying there is so much more that we need to do and that we're not, if we thought for a minute that we're there, we're not, we're not. We're not, you know, and all change takes a long time. I mean, it was very recent that birth control came into being, if you think about it. And, you know, for forever. Women were the procreators of human species and these little beings are dependent upon us. And so there really just wasn't an option for women to navigate this environment. And, uh, and, you know, it's interesting. I experience it as a 39 year old woman in business where there becomes a strange awkwardness where, you know, at times when I've thought it was a venture capital pitch, the VC was just trying to get me out on a date. 
Um, and this, this strange, like, I don't know how to relate to you because you're of the opposite sex and I'm attracted to you. And I'm saying, you're going, no, I'm a business person and I want to do a deal. I do not want to go out on a date with you. Um, and it's, a uh, it's, it's confusing that we are mixing these worlds and that's, um, and that's, uh, it, we're st- it, again, it, it's going to take a while to work itself out. Before we get into, I'm done with that. Let's take a second to talk about WordPress.com. On my nightstand is a book that the owner of a small bookstore in Calistoga, California, told me that she loved. The book is Runner by Patrick Lee. Will I love it as much as the owner of the store loved it? Time will tell. But what I loved about this store was the personal attention. And as my daughter said to me, Mom, you love that store because you love small businesses. You love that saying, think globally, act locally. So true. But how can small businesses make a really big impact? By going to WordPress.com and creating a website for your business or your personal blog. Even if you don't have a clue how to build a website, WordPress.com can guide you through the process, starting with customized themes. Plus, when you're on WordPress.com, you'll get built-in social sharing and search engine optimization. On WordPress.com, you're part of a community with support 24-7 when you need it. Come see why nearly 30% of all websites run on WordPress and why more websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to WordPress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website. WordPress.com slash Forbes. Now back to Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari. And that leads me right into, I'm done with that. Usually I think of something or something happens that I think I'm done with that. You know, I'm just done with that thing in my life. But this morning, another thing in the shower, I was thinking I'm done with taking showers, not actual showers. I'm done with taking hot showers. I I talk a lot about showers on the show and I think people who think... she just go take a shower because being the entrepreneur, I have a lot of those stories. It's like three o'clock and I'm like, oh no, I've got to be so-and-so. I've got to be someplace. I haven't taken a shower. I haven't combed my hair, Um, but I'm done with hot showers because they do nothing. There's no good in them for our skin. it, It creates premature aging. When we take really, really hot showers, it can cause your skin to have rashes. I've learned this through my friend, Susan Simonelli, who has the Susan Simonelli Day Spa here. And she's a very holistic healer. She says that she gets to women through their vanity. So she gets you in for a facial, but while you're there, she does crystal healings on you. And, but, um, she was saying that women are aging, prematurely because we are taking really hot showers and hot baths. So I'm bringing it down a notch. I'm not taking a cold shower. Really? I thought we were aging prematurely because we're earning big incomes right. and doing all the laundry. <laughs> that well, why. there's that too. <laughs> but if we, if we quit doing all of that, well, we can't quit doing some of that. We're not going to quit doing some of that, but we can't quit taking those super, super hot showers. Who knew? I'm going to have to look into right, this. Right. I did not know. Yeah, so that is my, I'm done with that. I'm done with taking super hot showers. I'm still taking hot showers. I'm not there yet. So that, what about you? What are you done with in life? I am done with trying to make other people happy. Oh, that's a big one. I'm so it's done with that. It's a huge one. And but I'm is. not successful. I mean, there's, there's respect, there's following through on your word, there's being gracious, there's being polite, there's not being intentionally disruptive. Um, however, I found that there, there's, 
you know, whether it's attending family events that you really don't want to go to, sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, <laughs> or if, I mean, great one, uh, you know, the, the kid birthday party thing is crazy and the amount of money that gets spent and the, all the presents that you have to buy that then become plastic that they end up not even playing with either. You know, I, in many cases, I'm not purchasing gifts for the children. I explain why to the parents and some of them I'm sure don't like me as a result of that. And, uh, my kids complain, but I'm, I just don't see how our children need more plastic stuff. I will make a donation to something. I will do something, but I will not bring a plastic object into somebody else's house. And I'm, I, as I continue to, it's all about recreating the rules in the world that we want to live in, as opposed to the unsustainable, uh, somewhat challenging one that we have today is about, um, um, I'm, I'm done following rules simply because someone else told me to, even though they absolutely make no sense in, in day-to-day life. And they're not actually making anyone any happier. That is a huge, and I said, I'm not yet successful. I'm really, now what I will do is I will take that moment to say, am I doing this? Does it bring me joy or am I doing it because someone else wants me to do it? And it's in agreeing with you. You don't want to hurt people. You're not going to do anything that intentionally hurts someone. But I think for me, I run myself ragged by trying to please everyone. And sometimes it takes a friend or someone saying, you know, you just really need, I want you to take care of you for a minute. Just take care of you for just a minute versus I need to do this for my daughter. I need to do this for my mother. I need to do this for so-and-so. I need to be here for my friend who has cancer. All those things you want to do, right? I mean, I want to be there for my friend who has cancer. But at the same time, you have to take care of yourself. It's the same way as the nurture. You, yes. In order to be able to take care of others, you have to take care of yourself. Otherwise, you are going to destroy yourself in the process and then you're being a martyr and that doesn't actually help anyone. Right, but by doing that, by being the woman that you are and saying, I'm not going to do this, that's hard because I would think it's hard because you're going to run up against people who are like... Amanda's arrogant. Amanda's oh, I get yelled this. at all the Amanda's time. I, it's, it's, um, I know that people are deeply frustrated with me, right. but right. it enables me to have stronger integrity to the commitments that I have, including myself, I love which that. is vital. Right. I love that. Okay. I'm going to hang out with you more. Okay, so now we're going to do takeaway. Okay, you were going to say something. I was going to say, come down to Philly. Right. I, I, part of me is I, I, um, I commuted to New York City for seven years and I am not traveling so much. So come on down to Philly okay. and we will have dinner. Okay. I would love to. I'm going to hang out with more. I need, I also need help. So now we're going to do takeaways. I've crowdsourced questions from people. And one of them is you're divorced. You have two kids. You're a successful entrepreneur. And the other night I talked to you and it was seven 30. This is from me. Now I was saying this to you. I talked to you then the night it was seven 30 and you were still working, which a lot of us do in this world. I'm not, you know, pointing you out as the exception and your work day was just ending at seven 30. So the question is, What's a tip that keeps fueling you that you can do all of these things? It's not about balance. The question is, what, do you have any things that you can tell others to say, this is what I do so that I can do all these things that I love. I love being a mother. I love my job. I'm dating someone. You know, how do I, how do you do it all? You know, um, there's, there's an aspect of my life that does not reflect a lot of other people's lives, which is that I have joint custody of my children. So the reason I was working until 7.30 last night was because I do that on Mondays and Thursdays. And then on t- 
Tuesdays and Wednesdays when they're with me, I stop at around three o'clock. That's great. So it's, um, it's, I, I would work until 10 o'clock every night if I was left to my own devices. Um, actually the worth financials getting to a place where we're, we're going to be out of struggle and into thriving very soon. And I was just talking actually to Jamie, that same mentor this morning about how I am afraid of the void of peacefulness that I see that's just a few months out because I'm not going to know what to do with myself. So we, he and I are going to work on that together about how I create an environment where I don't start doing weird sabotage things as, you know, because I'm so comfortable in the area of struggle. So I'm, this is still a learning process for me. But one thing that, um, that is across the board at Worth Financial, most of the women who work there, um, we don't employ any men right now. We have in the past, most of the women who work there have children and, um, there is no problem if they leave at three o'clock. So that flexibility is critical. So, and I love the piece about filling the void of struggle, because I think for those of us who have and who can work until 10 o'clock at night, that becomes our lives, right? I mean, it really is. Especially if you love your work. It's fun. I love spreadsheets. I could spend all day there. I I hate spreadsheets. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to come hang out with you, but not to do spreadsheets. But, you know, really, it's like you're so, that is what you do. That's who you are. It's like, you know, I work. That's what I do. I'm not sure if it's who I am. I think it's who I had to be in order to manifest my ambitions. I'm not, I, our culture has a deep attachment to work as identity. And as digital automation takes over more, I think that there's going to be an opportunity if our society is smart enough to take advantage of it, to create less work pressure. But we don't know how, because we have been so socially conditioned to work. That's a tough one. I'm not sure that it is just a natural thing for me. I, I think that, I think there's a lot of other things that are available. We just, it's just not our culture. Right. I think because we've become, it's what we do for me, it's because it's what I do. It's become a natural thing for me. Yes. To do, to no question. Void, right? It is very natural. Instead of easy. like sitting down and reading a book, it's like, well, I'll go to the computer because I've got 167 emails. And it's but, so stimulating with all the like Facebook right? things and Slack messages. And you know, for us, it's like sales of our online courses. And there's, I know that it's a very shiny object, those computers. And it's, it's just where you go to, whether it's your phone, it's just, so I'm looking to break that habit and saying, I want to work less because I want to do more things that I want to do. But once again, that goes back to hiding behind something, right? I think a lot of what I do is I hide behind my work. So I can't take time to go do that facial, something that I might want to do because I have work to do. Or I've been saying for years, you know, I want to take a pottery class or I want to take a photography class. And I did, I did sign up for cooking classes. I've been saying I want to take cooking classes. So I did sign up for cooking classes, but it's easier to hide behind whether it's the mural in my townhouse that I was hiding behind 25 years ago or the computer. It's easy to hide behind those things versus going out and saying, I'm going to do this. It's going to create a void in my life, but how am I going to fill it? Because one of my things that I don't want to become is that woman who isn't interested in any, I mean, I'm interested in my work. I love meeting women. I love talking to women like you. So, you know, when you're, if you're not doing that 24 seven, what do you do with your time? I cannot offer anything useful here right, right now. <laughs> Check back with me in a year. I am, I am the case study. Maybe we'll do this together. It'll be a case study of, of looking at, you know, what do you do? Because I think once we start to discover that and share those stories, it'll help other people realize that work isn't every, so my friend, Jean-Pierre, his mom was 75, a single working mom got fired from her job. 
she worked at a hotel and truly did not know what to do with herself. You know, being a single mom, all of her life was work, work, work to be able to support her two children. So he came up with an idea and he's doing a documentary on this that I just love to create a bucket list with his mom of the things that she hasn't been able to do because of work. So she's taken a hip hop class with a dancer from Hamilton and she's going to visit her sister's grave that she hasn't visited ever because she's been too, it's not, it's not in her hometown. She has to travel to get there, but he's doing it with her, which I just love this whole create the bucket list and we'll check the things off together. And I can't wait to see that. I've asked him to that's send That's a great idea. List. I, it's, um, that's like for me, I need, needing time to write. You have to actually schedule it in or else other things will kind of creep in. Right. And now we have to, unfortunately, we have to go. But I do want to ask you, where can we find you? You can find me at dailyworth.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Amanda Steinberg or on Facebook at Amanda M. Steinberg. And we can buy your book at? You can buy my book, Worth It, Your Life, Your Money, Your Terms on Amazon. Amanda, thank you. Thank you so much. Holding my hand. Thank pleasure. you. Thank you. We're going to go on this mission together to figure out what we're going to do with that voice time. Can't wait. Thank you for joining us today. And to get Mentoring Moments the moment it's live every Wednesday, remember to download new episodes on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or podcastone.com and make sure to rate, review, and share. Okay, so I took Amanda's money type test and I ranked highest in visionary. So what about you? Take the test and let me know what are you coming out highest? Are you visionary, producer, nurturer, epicure, or independent? Talk to me. You can always find me on Twitter at Denise Rastari. Until next week, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter. Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And we're the hosts of The Limit Does Not Exist, a podcast for human Venn diagrams. That's right. We talk to people with intersecting interests in the arts, STEM, entrepreneurship, and so much more. The easiest way to explain science to non-scientists is to use art. I worry that we lose a lot of creative engineers because our engineering curriculum is not creative. Education should be about empowering people to become better thinkers, good problem solvers, creative inventors, and ethical caring citizens. Download new episodes of The Limit Does Not Exist every Monday on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, they are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. 
I'm Rita Foley.